You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 148. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Lena and Richie of Songs for Sabotage. The goth pop duo recently fled New York City for sunny Los Angeles, and they released their excellent debut album, Night of Joy, last month. During our interview, We chatted about how the duo met at the Williamsburg Bar, Night of Joy, the recording of their debut, how they approached songwriting, and more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website, where you can find reviews, playlists, premieres of new music, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. Thank you so much, Richie and Lena of Songs for Sabotage for chatting with me today via Zoom from all the way out in Los Angeles. Heck yeah. 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 Thanks for having us. Yeah. My pleasure. I just noticed reading both of your names, Richie Rose and Lena Sophie, they're like perfectly symmetrical <laughs> as far as the, yeah, I'm sure I'm I'm definitely a weirdo, but I like looked at it, I'm like five, six letter first name six letter last name and then four letter last name and four letter first name yeah beautiful i don't think i've ever noticed that visually it's 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 a feast (laughs) it's it's a nice it's a nice two full names to look at right so i'm glad glad i'm happy to look at them i like that yeah i love that thank you for noticing that (laughs) (laughs) well Your debut album, Night of Joy, is out now. It's excellent. But before we get into chatting about it, I've read your origin story, how the two of you met, but give me the details and all the cool specifics. It sounds like it was a cool fate type of meeting thing. (laughs) Wait, a cool... Oh, fate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at first they said fake and I was like, yeah. no, no. <laughs> like we didn't the That story would be before. a really aggressive way to start this interview Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, we took some creative liberties when uh, flourishing our, our press release yeah. and, <laughs> We never actually met <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, we, um, oh, we also have a cat joining us at some point Okay, yes, we met in fall of 2017 at Night of Joy, the bar in Williamsburg, which we had both been hanging out at over the years, but never actually met each other. And I was DJing and Lena approached me and was asking about songs that I was playing or like knew some of the songs I was playing. Um, I was like the only one appreciating it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've been to Night of Joy, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. It can get packed in there. Yeah, I can get packed, but I think it was not packed this night. Have more like a, they're not really paying attention to the music per se. Yeah. So I was just playing stuff that I thought was cool, and she was probably the only person who was like, "Oh, yeah, I know this track." Blah 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 blah. And we just struck up a conversation, and I was like, "That's awesome that this person randomly in here is 
you know. I felt like you needed a little cheer me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so a, a friendship was started, and Lena had a, a different band at the time, and I had a different project as well. Um, and we just stayed in touch and kept um, hanging out, writing songs, kind of just like sharing ideas. It kind of came naturally. It was just one of those things that we just started jamming and it just worked, flowed. Yeah, not necessarily with the intention of starting a project, but after we've been doing that for a few months, we realized that we had like a bulk of songs and um, yeah, just kind of like put the wheels in motion to actually start a band, start a project. So yeah, it, t- it took some time. Like we didn't play our first show until like almost two years after meeting. Oh wow! So tell me a little bit about some of the prior projects you've been involved with in the New York City music scene. Richie, I know you were working with High Wasted. You worked with them on their new record, Sick of Saying Sorry. What what bands were you both in before you started this project? Um, I was in a, I call it garage rock punk band called Rata um, that I started with um, a good friend of mine, Gabriella. Um, but we turned it into a three-piece um, with her husband as well on drums. Yeah, that was that was the project I was in just before we met. Yeah, what about you, Richie? Yeah, Rata was a cool band. You guys were like <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeahs or like the kills. It was like heavy, like way heavier than SFS. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was, uh, I worked with High Wasted for maybe a little over a year. Um, I started out producing their Acid Tapes release and just working alongside them. And then a few months after that, they asked me to join the band and go on tour playing bass. And Jess and I ended up writing um, that record together. Um, and yeah, did a couple tours with them did a, a bunch of New York shows with them uh, and was super stoked to be a, a part of all of that. Um, I, I love that band and I love those people. They're my family. They're awesome. Uh, totally. Yeah. And I played for a lot of different people. I played guitar for Tamron, um, Mexican Summer Records. I played guitar and was the musical director for Jenny V, um, who plays in Eagles of Death Metal. I had my own project called Delilith for a brief moment in time. That was the project I had when we first met. When we met, yeah. Um, it was like an industrial goth thing. <laughs> this, the songs are up on Spotify, but it is, nice. it is definitely a... That was heavy. Yeah, that was like a... Just, I don't know, I was going through some stuff and like needed an outlet, so I made some heavy kind of music for a minute. Yeah, I, I played with a bunch of other bands too, but those are probably the most notable. Cool. So it sounds like you both were involved with different sounding projects before you started collaborating together. Before you even met, were you looking to collaborate with someone or work on something that sounded more like this? And then it was kind of just, like I said, a fate meeting that, hey, I met somebody that's kind of on the same wavelength as me right now and wants to pursue something similar creatively um for me i think i mean the songs that we wrote in my previous band were i I love them but it was a very different style and i think a lot of the um when i would just write for myself was a little little more 
catchier, I would say. But I think it just naturally happened when we... It wasn't like an intention to write this kind of specific sounding music. It was just like our influences mixed. I would agree with that. We just... When we first started writing, we would always use a drum machine or like a drum sounds on a synthesizer and program beats and stuff, really just as like a convenience type of thing. But the more we wrote and the more we, you know, made backing tracks, so to speak, for our songs, the more we realized, okay, there's like so many more possibilities sonically if we have electronic drums and electronic elements that are sort of like the heartbeat behind our live instrumentation. So I think once we discovered that we could play just the two of us and it could be, you know, a full sound, that sort of dictated the types of songs that we were writing. But we always, always set out to write good, catchy songs that, you know, if you stripped it down on like an acoustic guitar, um, it would still be cool. It doesn't necessarily need those additional elements to still be a good song. Yeah, totally. And that's something that I hear a lot of different musicians say that the essence of the song, a good song, still really needs to be able to be played on an acoustic guitar and just like really stripped down. Do you write on acoustic guitar then? Or do you kind of do do that differently? Mm, I'd say we probably, if we have like a, a good idea for like vocal melody or guitar riff or whatever, the first instruments we're playing those that on it would be acoustics. Yeah. And then if we're like, all right, this is pretty cool, then we'll add maybe like a bass line or a drum beat or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely has to be like on the guitars first. I yeah. Say most of the time. Absolutely. So let's talk about the past year for you two. I know it's been crazy. Mm. You were living in New York. Then when we first got in contact, you were in Kentucky. And now you're in Los Angeles. Uh, what what made you want to relocate to LA and do you think you would have made this uh, move and shift to the other side of the country uh, if not for the pandemic? So, I mean, Kentucky, that's kind of where this little plan was hatched and that was a really just to escape New York at that moment at that time we kind of felt something was going down and we didn't want to be stuck in our small little apartments um, and not being able to you know go out or even go to each other's places and play music or whatever we lived in separate boroughs yeah. in New York and we both worked day jobs that consumed the vast majority of our schedule so anytime that we had together we spent working on music but it was still like not a lot of time whatsoever so yeah when covid hit we definitely did the whole paranoid freak out thing and went to my mom's in kentucky thankfully that was an option and we brought all of our stuff to record as we finished the album and in that moment or in those moments being there those few months we were there we realized like hey we can still take care of the work that we need to do for our jobs and for our livelihood but we have a lot more time together to work on music and this is just a much better scenario and we almost moved to Kentucky. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, we were just, you know, looking at budget and everything. And we're like, okay, obviously space. it's better. Huh? Space, like how yeah, much more space, space we can get. It was like seemingly a more free quality of life. But um, when we really, when it really came down to it, we we're like, do we want to move to to Kentucky? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's where I grew up, but I don't think I could go back, at least not for, not, not now. And LA, for many reasons... Uh, was where we decided to go. We both wanted to move here. like. But we've been we thinking about, about it. Yeah. We were in New York for a decade. Um, yeah. 
both of us. My sister has been in LA since 2014 and I have spent a lot of time out here touring through and visiting. Yep. So yeah, when it just came down to it, it it was like the the choice we made yeah. and here we are. <laughs> yeah, great city for music as well. Yep. Definitely. Hopefully it comes back at some point. Yeah. So that's interesting that most of the record was recorded in New York. What did you specifically wind up recording in Kentucky? What parts of the album? Well, and do you think that influenced the sound of the, those particular parts? I'm gonna say no, it did not influence the sound, but Kentucky has influenced a lot in my life, but that's besides the point. We recorded the last track on the album, the cover, Cuts yeah. You Up. We did that entirely in my mom's attic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the whole song. Um, that was the one thing that was done entirely there. Otherwise, just a bunch of mixing and like some overdubs. Um, but I would say like 90% of the record was done um, in, in my apartment and yeah. in our rehearsal space in uh, Dumbo yeah. in the Lower East cool. Side. Yeah. yeah, I love the Peter Murphy cover at the end of the record, Cuts You Up. Really cool way to put a bow on the record and tie everything together. Really your your take on it is super anthemic and i really liked what you did with the song how did you approach your interpretation of the cover of the song and why did you specifically decide to cover that song um well the last show we saw in new york together was peter murphy at le poisson rouge so we you know we've been huge Peter Murphy Bauhaus fans for a long time and that song is amazing and he performed that song and I can't remember was it that night or was it a little bit later that we were like yeah it was like this this show at LPR that we went to is January of this year yeah it's crazy to think that it's the same year um but he it was originally scheduled for August of 2019 and he had a heart attack the That's day right. that the show was supposed to happen um, and so they canceled that show and other shows and they were like, we're going to reschedule. Then finally got rescheduled. And so we went in January and we're just like, okay, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And he, you could tell that maybe he had had some health troubles and stuff. He definitely like was giving it his all as much as he could. It was just such an amazing show in a small venue. Uh, and we were moved by the performance and yeah, obviously cuts you up as probably his best known song super classic song it's like one of my favorite songs and yeah. we just started jamming on it like one of the next times we got together and um lena knew the majority of the lyrics or like all the lyrics for the first time we were just jamming on it and vocally i think i thought it fit her range and style really well and i was like oh man we should just cover this song or at least try to but it wasn't until we were in kentucky that we decided to actually properly record it and that we were going to put it on the album um and yeah in terms of like how we went after it sonically uh we just tried to simplify it it's very much like a live feel all the instrumentation is live obviously the drums are programmed but the samples are live drum samples yeah. um and then there's one like little synth line but other than that um yeah i think we kind of actually approached it more so from a live instrumentation like if a band was playing it um yeah and also at the show the the band when they played it they were the guitarist was playing the uh 
I guess, cello yeah. melody that's on the recording. We like that. And that was probably one of the main reasons why we were like, hey, we could totally do this too. We don't need a cello. <laughs> uh, I did. Yeah. 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 I dig it. I totally dig it. Thank you. Yeah, I just thought it was such a perfect cover selection for the record. It's a little, it gives it like a lot of the songs definitely have that moody, dark, goth vibe and Cuts You Up still fits into that, but in a way that's like a great way to end the record, I felt like. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's awesome. Like I said, the record is definitely dark sounding. Reminded me of like The Damned, like late 80s wire kind of too. Um, You know, the less like when they were getting like darker sounding, like a bell is a cup until it is struck. Um, So I was just curious, what were you drawing inspiration from sonically when you were writing and recording the record? Um, I always, no matter what, I can't help but add a little bit of the johnny marr smith's influence that i've had since i was in high school yeah new New order and joy division are always there for me as well um in terms of like bass tones and and guitar tones and and simple kind of guitar riffs and lines um my favorite band is depeche mode and while i don't think we really sound anything like depeche mode the kind of emotion or yeah like the darker vibes that they bring to their pop songs so to speak is kind of i think is a huge influence on what we do like pop songs disguised with a little bit of darkness well totally that's exactly (laughs) yeah that's it that's it goth dash pop yeah i'll take that that's that's different do you have anything to add no i was just i say also like i think it's also like a personality trait like i think we're we're slightly melancholy people (laughs) yeah Um, it's honest it's definitely not forced no that's just kind of like where we live at (laughs) that's why i love the majority of the records in your collection i'm like oh they're all like the introverted shoegaze loner stoner records that i love yeah (laughs) hell yeah absolutely (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that's yeah that's very much an influence Mm -hmm. for us totally so just uh talking about the themes and the lyrics on the record it encapsulates your last year in new york city so i was just curious like what were some of the specific experiences that were captured in the record and in listening to it it sounds like a lot of them were not so great experiences so did you feel like the city was kind of pushing you away and then you know which ultimately resulted in you leaving yeah i i mean i was feeling kind of done with new york towards the end of last year um it'd been a roller coaster um also felt a little maybe like stuck in the same old routine um and just i yeah felt feeling a little trapped i guess and i wanted a, a, a shift a change for me um yeah i can echo all of those sentiments but um i quit drinking um in like july of 2018 and that was probably when we were getting a little bit more 
uh, serious about writing together. It's before the band was formed. But a lot of the songs, a lot of the lyrics are drawn from bad experiences or sort of like negative outcomes of experiences that I had when I was fucked up. <laughs> I was yeah. Doing drugs and drinking and just kind of living a careless lifestyle um which like no judgment or disrespect but me personally i needed to take a step away from that and um i'd say that a lot of that influenced the lyrics and in doing so and in walking away from partying um i had to say goodbye to several friendships or relationships that i thought were significant friendships but kind of turned out to be relationships of convenience um so a lot of that is in, is in the lyrics yeah and that's super hard so very commendable for realizing that you felt you needed to do that and then sticking to it and that's you know super hard to have to realize that um you know these people are kind of turning away from me too that sucks yeah it happens i feel like that's the new york experience too it's uh I don't want to blame it on New York, though. But yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, no, it's part of it. it. It's just so easy. The New York lifestyle of the nightlife. I mean, you can exist in darkness as a vampire and just sort of... <laughs> well, I was thinking more like New York, definitely. Like, I've had my absolute lowest lows there, but I've had my highest highs as well. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you can't have one without the other, so... Totally. We love New York, just to want to put it there. Of on course. The <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. We adore New York and always will. Um, but yes, this, these, this record was about our, at the darker times in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And what I thought was really interesting, too, is you wrote the whole record and it encapsulates your final year in New York City. But when you're writing and recording most of it, you kind of didn't realize that you were leaving. So what comes to mind when you reflect back on the record and having a little perspective and being away from it now that it's been out for about a month and now that you've been done recording the songs for even longer, what, what comes to mind? You want to, you want to take this? I mean, I, I, I think of, honestly, like, I have, I, I, I'm honestly proud of us because we, we, it wasn't just like, oh, quitting going out and drinking and all that. It was like, we really dedicated so much every little free time we had we dedicated to this process um and in a sense it was a little bit isolating but um that was i loved that experience and that's kind of what i think about um when i think about this record a little bit it was like encapsulated like a little moment of us just being like that that's a good answer um yeah we we did spend all of our free time on it, and I guess I just remember being locked away in our windowless basement rehearsal yeah. spot, or being in my studio apartment in the Lower East Side, and that was where it all happened and where it was all conceived. Um, and all the trains in between. Yeah, that, that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I think of hard, yeah hard work. That's a that's a good way of looking at it. Awesome. It's a great record. So congrats. Your hard work paid off. <laughs> Thank Thanks. you. I want to talk about some of the other songs on the record. I really like the sequencing of the record, 
particularly where drifting falls. I feel like drifting injects a little more light into the record. It's a little less moodier. So tell me a little bit about that track, because I feel like it delves into getting lost, but ultimately finding yourself. And I feel like the instrumentation is a little brighter in comparison to the first four tracks. And then it kind of sets up the rest of the record with dust and cuts you up. That's cool that you yeah. like where drifting is. Um, it was the one of the, it's like the fifth song on the record, but it's it was it's like one the, of the first songs, or maybe even the. I first think it one. might have been the first. Yeah, um, Lena had that guitar riff, like the beginning guitar. And I think riff. that beginning vocal. And you had the first couple yeah, because lyrics. it was. Um, I remember exactly what I was feeling in that moment. It was feeling like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going with my life. So it was kind of that but then i don't know then it turned into it sat around for a while we just sort of had the first verse um for a while uh and yeah it, it the, the the light injection that you're speaking of is um the chorus is like very major mm. chord heavy yeah it's pretty poppy and catchy it's an uplifting chorus but i think for a long time we thought that the beginning part the first verse was the hook, was mm -hmm. the chorus in a way. Um, so a lot of the song was written around that. And that particular part of the song is in a different time signature. It's in 7-4. Yeah. Um, so we kind of like, we were like, what is this? Like, <laughs> this is a cool little like, but like, how do we actually make a song? Make a song out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went through some incarnations, um, but that's a special track that I think that's everybody's favorite more or less. So it's a good, it's definitely a really, really good song. One of seven good songs <laughs> on this record. What's a, so what's on the horizon for you two now that your first record is out? Are you working on more music? <laughs> we actually haven't said anything about it yet. So we'll just, we'll, this will serve as the announcement on Friday, December 18th. We're going to release the remixed version of night of joy which tentatively will feature seven different remixes, one for each track, but maybe maybe more, maybe like a couple different artists' takes on certain songs. Um, we're just kind of waiting to get stuff back from people. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So is this something that Friends did the remixes, or did you put out a call for remixes, like a solicitation type of thing? Well, yeah, we hit up Friends of Ours, um, the first couple singles that we released, we did remix B-side remixes of everyone. So all of those will be on this remix album. And then a couple of those artists will be doing additional remixes of other songs. Um, and then we have some new people that are friends of ours who produce. Um, and then we're going to probably put a couple demo versions of album yeah. tracks on there. Uh, yeah, we, we, unearthed a bunch of old demos and kind of gave them a listen and thought, all right, these are decent enough to put out there for people who uh, pay attention or are paying attention. Uh, might be a little fun thing. You can see how... Uh, the songs how, developed. Yeah, how the songs evolved or how we made them way better <laughs> in the demo <laughs> versions. Excellent. Can't wait. Demos are always cool. It's cool to hear the bare bones versions of songs. For sure. Yeah, um, we definitely had more of like a mid-aughts um, electro vibe. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll see. I love that era. 
so I'm gonna feel good listening to those demos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then otherwise we're working on tons of new I'm music. On this like stuff. The, the album um, has been a long time coming, and these songs have been around since the inception of the band, or actually before. So we have probably like a whole another album's worth, more or less, of stuff that we're in the midst of recording right now. So super exciting. So if some of those songs have been around since the inception of the band, they were just not finished or were, were they finished and they just didn't make the cut for night of joy type of thing. Um, no, I mean, we finished them or I would say, you know, completed them to a point where we could play them live and present them yeah. to people. Um, about a year ago, or we played our first show August of 2019. So over a year ago, but, um, yeah we just i don't know they were like our first songs and we have a lot of other songs that i think are maybe a better representation of who we are as artists but we felt so connected to these particular songs and because of how they were significant to our time in new york and our history as a band we thought we just need to put this out we're just going to start like dropping singles and then said let's just put it out as an album <laughs> and I know the album Seven Songs, which probably confuses a lot of people because by many standards, Seven Songs is not um, a full album. But uh, but for us, this particular collection of songs needed to be this and, and nothing no more. more yeah. nothing less. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. All right. Last question for this part, and then we'll play some songs from Night of Joy. What songs are you most looking forward to playing live when live music returns? I would probably say our Cuts You Up cover because we never actually did that. It's on. It's going to be on the live stream, but we never actually performed it at a proper yeah, show. Yeah, that was going to be my answer too. And then we have new songs that I'm stoked on as well. Cool. Well, we can't wait till live music returns. Right. Yep. So, we're going to play some songs from Songs for Sabotage's brand new album, Night of Joy. Everyone, you can get it at songsforsabotage.bandcamp.com, or you can stream it on your preferred streaming platform. We're going to hear Sabotage, Urgency, Fire, and Drifting, and then we'll be back.
All right, we're back. We just heard four songs from my guests. Songs for Sabotage. They're off of their debut album, Night of Joy. We heard the first track, Sabotage. The second track, Urgency. The third track, Fire. And then we skipped a couple tracks and we heard the fifth track. Well, not a couple tracks, one track. We heard the fifth track, Drifting. Again, everyone, you could get this record at songsforsabotage.bandcamp.com or you could stream it on your streaming platform of choice. Now, Lena and Richie picked some records from my record collection and we're going to talk about them and play them. Good, good picks. A lot of my favorites here. Nice. I'm looking forward we- to talking about basically all of these. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you started with Pop Life by Prince off of Around the World in a Day. (laughs) Yes. You want to talk about it? Yeah. Tell me about how much you love Prince. I adore Prince. I never got to see him perform live, um, which is a little bit crushing. Yeah, me too. It is devastating for me as well. But... Um, I love Prince so much. I named my cat Prince. It's a good <laughs> cat name. <laughs> he is a prince. And he is a prince. He lives up to the name. Um, pr- uh, the thing that inspires me, one of the things that inspires me the most about Prince, um, is the type of artist that he was in the sense that he wrote everything, produced everything, um, just kind of did his recordings his way um and you know um was a huge innovator for the lindrum um which i don't know if a lot of people listening to him realize unless they're like music nerds but um you know prince like programmed all the drums on most of his biggest hits and he combined the world of synthetic and organic at a time when that was just kind of starting to happen in the in the 80s um so everything that he does from, you know, throwing back old school funk and disco to mixing it with new wave and pop and just sort of creating this, you know, sonic tapestry of all sorts of different influences and making it unique. I just, I adore Prince and Pop Life lyrically is, um, is a song that I really, really identify with. He's incredible. Did it all. Super prolific as well. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Great first pick. Second pick, No Rest for the Wicked by Likey Lie off of I Never Learn. Yeah, that was my pick. I I mean, being Swedish and all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, Licky Lee is like the, she's, I love the minimalism in her, her music. Um, you know, she's collaborated a lot with Peter, Bjorn, and John, who we adore. And Mark Ronson as well. Yeah, Mark Ronson. And I, her voice, the minimalist, the sound and everything is just, I mean, what's not to like, really. <laughs> super, super gorgeous song. Great record, yeah. too. Incredible. Yeah. Damn. Two for two in great picks <laughs> from Songs for Sabotage. Third one. Damn. I love 
this album. I love this very short-lived project. I think it's criminally underrated project for what a great pop songwriter this guy Greg Alexander was. New Radicals, their hit single, You Get What You Give, off of Maybe You've Been Brainwashed 2, which was released in 1998. I love this song. I love his... He's definitely influenced by Prince. He's definitely influenced by Todd Rundgren. He's just... This record's so good. Yeah, I was 12 years old in 1998, and I had the Now That's What I Call Music CD compilation. Yes, that's a good one, man. And it's the very first one. And you know, like, this was in Kentucky. So we didn't really have record stores, at least that I was aware of at the time. So we go to the, we go to the mall. My mom would be like, you can buy a CD. So I got the, now that's what I call music volume one. And this song was maybe the first track on it or one of the first. And it was also, the video was on MTV on TRL at the time, which I would always watch after school. And it was like the perfect um introduction for me into like maybe a little bit more expansive rock and roll not so much like like at the time i loved marilyn manson and corn and limp biscuit like blink 182 like basic alternative rock and this song somehow really spoke to me because it, it was melancholic it's got like you know kind of a sad vibe to it but it's so hopeful and anthemic and i have this memory of sitting on the back of the school bus and just blasting this blasting that song out of my disc man and it was so loud that you know you could hear it out of my headphones and this this really cute girl um in front of me turned around and just shot me this look like what the hell and she was just like what are you listening to you know <laughs> like that is the most uncool thing which it totally was at the time um and it holds up like i can put that song on now and just lose myself in 100 yeah it it's such a such a great song and i love the fact that he speaking of marilyn manson kind of name checks artists at the time who were really big yeah and he's just like yeah we'll kick your asses yeah, yeah. we will i'm part of the new radicals so are you yeah. and we will kick your ass and marilyn manson hansen beck courtney love yeah. yeah this was a big record for me too first of all the music video i grew up on staten island and this was shot in the staten island mall so that was like a oh, no. big, oh, whoa, type of thing when I was a kid. Second, the whole record is awesome, and I've listened to it like a million times over the years. And I feel like I was going to say something else, too. But that's that's two points. But yeah, I love this song, too. It's a classic. <gasps> Next one from my favorite band, XTC. Dear God, off of Skylarking. Dear God originally didn't appear on Skylarking. It was originally left off because uh, Andy Partridge thought the anti-religious message wouldn't be well received in the United States. And there's like tons of insane stories about this song too. Like there was some kid in upstate New York that like held his principal hostage and then like played this song on the the loudspeaker in 1986 what? yeah so it's crazy there's like a lot of crazy background for 
this song. And also, it's funny that I mentioned Todd Rundgren. I probably subconsciously was thinking of him because he produced Skylarking and they had like a fight, him and Andy Partridge, about Todd Rundgren like wanted it to stay on the record. And Andy Partridge was like, no, I don't want to keep it on the record. But I'm like a big <laughs> XTC fan, so that's just a yeah, little background for that song. <laughs> yeah. You could tell what a big fan you were because you had like every sing every like 12 inch yeah in your something um but yeah this i mean i have to be honest i really just know skylarking and oranges and lemons but they're two really awesome records and for me xtc were like um like when i first heard them i was in college and i thought they sounded like 80s beatles like if the yes. beatles kept making it in the 80s and another kind of like weird like quote-unquote uncool kind of pop sound but in this really clever actually totally awesome and cool presentation and yeah we chose this song because it's a heavy moving song that is lyrically dense and um maybe appropriate for current times a, a bit yeah very appropriate for current times and yeah skylarking and oranges and lemons that's like when they really started to get into the psych pop sound and those are two of my favorites by them so full marks for all these great great record selections from richie and lena of songs for sabotage we still got one more though we've got from ireland the cranberries no need to argue which is the title track of their second album and it's also the final track on the record sure is um i mean this this record i think i i got the cd and i i played this like probably every single day for until my parents were like you can't listen to this anymore um <laughs> i was obsessed about this record and that last song no need to argue was my absolute favorite on that whole record it's it's so emotional um like every time i listen to it it gives me goosebumps it's so minimal her voice is so unique and it comes through so well and then you got like almost like um what's it called in english an organ like yeah it's like a hammond or something yeah exactly um and it's just beautiful i think it's a beautiful song and yeah i, I love it r.i.p dolores yeah it was yeah. really sad that she passed super away. sad Yep. All right. Hey, we're going to play these songs from these records now. We got Pop Life by Prince, No Rest for the Wicked by Likey Lie, Get What You Give by New Radicals, Dear God by the Great XTC, and No Need to Argue by the Cranberries.
En. Ja, jag börjar själv kanske. En, två, tre.
don't believe in All right, all right, we heard Lena and Richie's 
Record selections, we heard Pop Life by Prince, No Rest for the Wicked by Likey Lie, Get What You Give by New Radicals, Dear God by XTC, and No Need to Argue by The Cranberries. Alright, so, coming to the end of the show, want to thank you both for taking the time to speak with me today. Everyone... Night of Joy, the debut album from Songs for Sabotage, is out now. You can stream it everywhere music is streamed, or you can get it on Bandcamp, songsforsabotage.bandcamp.com. Well. Thank you so much for Thank having us Thank you, on. yeah. We sincerely appreciate the support. and Super fun. This is awesome anytime it was awesome yeah (laughs) it was hard to pick (laughs) thank you and you've got live streams coming up and you're going back to the studio or in your home studio so you don't really have to go anywhere yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be fully isolated for the foreseeable future and we'll have lots of new music coming your way in 2021 Awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait for 2020 to be over. And we're going to end the show with your great cover of Peter Murphy's Cuts You Up. Awesome. Enjoy. So everyone, enjoy. enjoy. We will see you later. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Thanks.